Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, JP in the corner, where he put himself. We've got uh, Jeff Hem coming up to talk about the Nashville sounds, so let's get to it. We've kept him waiting long enough. Jeff, what's going on, man? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? It's been a Monday. I know it's Friday, but it's been a Monday. It's because we don't have a Monday show, so <laughs> it is what it is. We got a long weekend. It caught up with us, though. Yeah. Um, things look to be going pretty well for you thus far, Jeff. Um, 5-4 win last night down at Gwinnett following Wednesday's 7-5 victory to get the series to 2-1 and one after opening on Tuesday with a loss down there. So, um, you know, we talked last week about this team and these guys having to kind of figure each other out and that kind of thing, but so far so good. Um, 4-2 series win over Durham last week and now 2-1 to one against Gwinnett. So, what's that, 6-3 and three on the season? Yeah, 6-3, and three, and they've won five of their last six. and. Uh, shades of last year where the sounds are winning close games against the Gwinnett stripers. Some things never change. <laughs> yeah. Those, those one run games last year is like every single game was one. run. Yeah. I mean, look, I know we talked a lot last year about the sounds playing Gwinnett because we saw those guys a lot, but it was a fun, it was a really fun matchup that in that way last year, the games were compelling as we've talked about plenty of times, we know there are a lot of Braves fans in Middle Tennessee, and we know they're excited that the Sounds now play a Braves affiliate and makes perfect sense. Uh, we enjoy it. It's, it, it adds a, another level to our schedule and some of the teams who come through. Um, and then, I, you know, I keep thinking back to the games last year between these two teams and then watching that National League Division Series. I mean, how could you not? think it was pretty cool to see a number of stripers and a number of sounds from last year in that postseason matchup and clearly both teams at the parent club level have really high aspirations again this year we know there's going to be roster movement as the season goes along we've already seen a little bit of it uh, and it's already happened to Gwinnett in this series with Bryce Elder going up the other day and making his debut we were supposed to see him here Tuesday steady pitches down the road in Atlanta against the Nationals so I, I just think there are so many things to like about these matchups with Gwinnett and the Sounds win a lot of the games that they play against these guys and they're compelling games with all kinds of fun storylines. So, I, I, you know, we, we only play, we play them a much more normalized amount of times. This year it's 18 instead of the scheduled 30 from last year, but still in those 18, um, I, I, I just think it's a lot of fun. There's there's so many things to talk about between the two teams and the fan bases and how they met last year in the playoffs and how I'm sure, uh, at least pretty confident, that we're going to see some 22 sounds and some 22 stripers playing in meaningful games for Milwaukee and Atlanta again this year as the season goes along. Well, we sure hope so. <laughs> because right now the the way the Braves are playing, I don't know if there's going to be no. I, it's it's early, and I'm not going to push that panic button. And we'll talk let about me, that do, more later. On, divide, let's see eight 
Eight divided by 162. <laughs> the Braves have played 5% of their schedule so far this year, Mo. Eight. <laughs> Thank you for that reminder. I need that. You're um, welcome. The, the sound certainly didn't waste any time last night. Four first inning runs. Yeah. And, and you know, what's, what's interesting about that, too, is that they had two hits and no runs through seven innings the night before and scored seven runs in the eighth inning and rallied to win that game. So last night in the first inning felt like a nice carryover from the way they had ended um, the previous night. You know, there's, there's, it's been a really solid first nine games. You mentioned it. They're six and three. The baseball has been really good. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of roster movement yet. Uh, we know that'll come. I mean, the big leaguers, like we just said, are only seven, eight games into their schedule. So it'll come, but it's been a pretty steady roster so far this year for the sounds it's a loaded roster in terms of the number of bodies that rick sweet has to try to find time for in the batter's box and on the mound so the, the lineup is changing a lot day to day but it's a lot of names that that we know um, when we talk about Corey ray and and dustin peterson and pablo reyes and some of those guys we saw last year mixed in with some some newcomers um, and it, they, they've, they've played pretty well so far, um, not hitting for a ton of power overall as a club, but the run scoring numbers are pretty good. Um, the starting rotation has been pretty solid. The bullpen has been lights out. There's no one glaring segment of the team where you're watching it day to day and thinking they, they, they need a dramatic improvement. Everything will continue to slowly grow as pitch counts can increase and guys get more into their routine. But Nine games in, there, there's no glaring weaknesses on this team. And so I think that's a big reason why they're, they're scoring early, like you mentioned from last night. And uh, the bullpen's doing a good job, and they're, they're winning some of these close games. Speaking with the voice of the Nashville Sounds, Jeff Hamm here on Main Street Sports Today. And Jeff, you know, you mentioned loaded roster, a lot of folks to try to get in because as the AAA affiliate, you're trying to – if not develop, certainly keep everybody sharp, keep everybody ready. With the universal DH, and we talked about this a little bit last week, does that make it easier or does that make it harder to work people in and out because you don't have pinch-hitting situations? You know, despite being a National League team, you don't have double-switch situations where you're going to get somebody in the in the ball game. It's, is that something that Rick has even addressed or – what are you seeing as far as that goes? Yeah, I've talked about it with him. Um, you know, he was anticipating the universal DH. He was public about that last year. He sort of saw the writing on the wall. And he and I kind of feel the same about it in the sense that um, I get it. I think it was, I think it was time. I, I get it. All the reasons are valid. Um, he would tell you he misses, the, as a manager, purely as a manager, he misses the strategy that mm. becomes involved with double switches and how to manage a bullpen and when the pitcher's going to be coming up and what that means. And he, I mean, he's so good at it. He's done it for so long. He's won over 2,000 games. He, he likes to manage the game. And uh, the managing is different when you don't have those mid-game substitutions. So I think... It, so it's a weird thing to say, like, the games are less fun because, we, you know, I, I don't get enjoyment out of a pitcher 
uh, grounding out to second or striking out on three pitches. So I get, I get. Let me let me stop you just a second though, because I do ahead. get enjoyment out of a pitcher hitting a ball in the gap for a double, and it happens. I mean, it's not like all of these guys it were it, worthless at the yeah, point. And that, I, I, that, I don't yeah, get excited I, to get watching you. Dansby either, but. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I, you know, my my point is that i i get the i get the reasoning for the universal DH, and I, we could fill an hour with this discussion, and sure. it would be really enjoyable. But you guys don't have time for that. And I, but but I, so I get the reasoning. There's there's just so much uh, financial investment in pitching that it, yes, guys could double to the gap, and the novelty of that is fun. More times than not, far more times than not, they don't do that. And do you want a guy to pull a hamstring trying to run to first on a ground out when he's far more valuable with what he does for you on the mound? So I get it. Sure. Mm-hmm. My point being, and I think Rick Sweet's point being, it, it does change from a fan standpoint some of the strategy involved. But um, to answer your question, I think it then makes it harder when you've got a loaded roster. It makes Rick's job harder and the Brewers' job harder to get guys the at-bats when you have this many players because mm-hmm. you don't pinch hit very often. Um, now, if you're going to tell a guy, Hey, before, you know, before the game, you say, Hey, you're off tonight. Uh, he's going to be off tonight because you're not going to have that mid game temptation of oh, seventh inning, one run game. You know what? But get in there and see if you can get us a hit. We got, we need to go, you know, righty against lefty. And that you, you don't really have that temptation because you're not going to have the pitcher spot coming up. Mm-hmm. So for the volume of guys we have, it is more challenging for them to get playing time. Because, like, for example, I'm looking at our card for tonight. We'll have seven guys available off the bench. Uh, even if you pinch it once, and we haven't seen it happen yet, you're still having six other guys who just are not going to get anything that day. Whereas in the past, they might play the final three innings as part of a double switch. So it is a, it is a new wrinkle, and it does make it more challenging to get guys some regular playing time. The sounds will uh, – apparently the – between the time that I that, that I put the rundown together and now the pitcher has changed because now Nick Vincent, the thirty five year old, will get the start. I, I assume he's an opener. He seems to typically be a a one inning pitcher, so I'm not sure if he's an opener or what they're doing. Yeah, I'm but, not sure what's going on. It was it was supposed to be Kyle Muller. Um, I wonder if he's, he's not going to start, best. but he might. Hmm. Well, he might, but the word is he might come back around and pitch for them now on Sunday here. So I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm also not saying it's like automatic that he's flying to San Diego right now. I don't know. All I know is you're right. It is Vincent instead of Muller, and and I got word of that about an hour ago. And Rick Sweet had loaded his lineup uh, with right-handed batters, figuring they were going to face a lefty, and uh, now they're going righty on righty tonight. So that's like the AAA. It, it absolutely is, but. Uh... Next week, another one of those teams you saw a bunch of, the Charlotte Knights come to town, and got a lot of things going on uh, in the early part of the week that we want to talk about before we get you next Friday to talk about the the weekend that is coming up. But uh, you you guys got a lot going on next week. Obviously, Tail Wagon Tuesday. I think we got some dueling pianos. What, what all is going on next week uh, if folks want to get out to First Rising Park? Yeah, the dueling pianos will go on Friday night um, as the game's going along as part of uh, our promotions for that Friday night game. Um, And you mentioned Tuesday. I I do want to bring this up because this is a new component this year um, that that we're we're doing on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday night. 
having a sensory inclusive night. Uh, it's in a partnership with Culture City. And we know, you know, part of the draw of a ball game is, is the noise and the environment and the crowd roaring. But we also acknowledge that, for, that folks with sensory processing differences then, um, you know, may not always feel as welcome in an environment like that. And the sounds have partnered with Culture City. Nashville as a city is now becoming the first city in the U.S. to have all their pro sports teams as sensory inclusive. There's a certification process that you have to go through. And the Sounds, the Titans, the Predators, and Nashville SC have, have now all done it. And with the timing, we will be the first event since that full certification has happened. So uh, we're going to do a few different things uniquely on Tuesday to make those folks feel even more welcome at the ballpark. Um, they can get, they'll get headphones, there'll, there'll be fidget toys, there'll be some ID cards involved. And uh, anybody who deals with sensory processing differences will, will know what a lot of that means. But the bottom line is the sounds are making every effort to not just say everyone is welcome at the ballpark, but to really show it with some different things, uh, whether it's cultural differences or in this case, having a sensory inclusive night. So that's Tuesday night. We're going to wear special jerseys that'll be part of an auction to benefit borderless arts of Tennessee. So I'm looking forward to Tuesday just because the I, I think maybe there's some young kid who has never been to a ball game because of the noise. And it's not to say that there's not going to be noise on Tuesday, but we're going to do some different things to be mindful of what those who deal with those things have to go through. And, and the idea that somebody maybe can come to the game Tuesday who otherwise wouldn't is, is pretty special to me as a, a father with young kids. It's pretty great, man. Jeff, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. We appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you next week and uh, previewing this uh, next weekend. But uh, this, this weekend should be fun again. Expect some more one-run games, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Par for the course. You got it, guys. Great no talking doubt. to you. See you next week. All right. When we come back, we will talk a little bit about Major League Baseball, so stick around. Main Street Sports State presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint returns after this.